0: So we are in Luke chapter 13, and this is our series on the parables of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. You are invited to turn with me to that gospel passage. Um, We're not going to start at the beginning of the chapter, but at the beginning of the chapter, someone comes up to Jesus. They've noticed that he's praying, and you find prayer a lot in the gospel of Luke, and they must be impressed with what's going on in Jesus as he prays, a man of prayer. And also they must know that to be a disciple, to follow a rabbi, those who followed John the Baptist, they also were taught how to pray like John the Baptist prayed. So one of the disciples approaches Jesus and says, teach us, teach us how to pray. And the first thing Jesus does is he gives words. These words are part of what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. So he teaches them some actual words. Isn't that helpful? Because sometimes when we pray, we don't know what to say, do we? So Jesus has given us words, and then he tells this story, and he does a little teaching afterward, as if to encourage them not only to learn about prayer, but to actually pray. So let me pray as we listen to this word, asking God to help us hear it. So please join me. God, we know we really can't understand you apart from your help and the power of your Holy Spirit opening up our ears and opening up our eyes, opening up our minds and hearts and lives to understand. That is our prayer, that this story you told, Jesus, would be heard by us. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, listen to God's word to you. Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut. It's locked. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus said, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of this man's persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if your child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, in other words, there's evil among you, If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the gift of God's Word. Thanks be to God. There was a Bible teacher who asked this question of his class. He said, when you are in trouble... What do you usually do? And he gave the class three options. These were the three options. Number one, take care of it yourself. Second option, phone a friend and ask them what they would do. Number three, pray to God for help. Now, before I tell you how many said what, I'm going to ask you. Of those three, when you are in trouble, what do you usually do out of the three? How many of you take care of it yourself? Okay, being honest. How many of you phone a friend, ask them what they would do? Okay. Quite a few of you. How many pray to God for help? Very good, quite a few. So in his class, and this was a Bible class, there were two who, who chose number three, pray to God for help. Two out of 35. And there were a handful that said number two. That they would phone a friend and ask them what they would do most of the class said they would take care of it themselves you know it's interesting last week many of us that were at great getaway didn't hear ben pierce's sermon here in worship i did because i actually listened to it online which you can do as well and ben actually said there's probably a fourth thing that he does most often and that is worry how many of you do that one (laughs) there you go okay now we're being honest Um, It's interesting because we see in Jesus, and Ben talked about this last week, a reversed order here, don't we? That the very first thing that Jesus does, and does often, is to go to God in prayer, and also does the other two. Also turns to others for help, doesn't he? Constantly in the gospel. And also does number three. He takes care of it himself. But he begins. He begins with... Praying to God for help. That's how he found strength for his journey. That's how he knew what God wanted him to do. That's how he had the power to do it. Amazing things. Last week, Ben encouraged you to take out a piece of paper and to put together an action plan for prayer. Did any of you do that? Yeah, several of you did. So he encouraged you, just think, of if you're going to take five to ten minutes um, in a day to pray, Think through four things, and he had you write it down. Number one, uh, the first thing was how you are going to pray. In other words, when would you do it? When would you take that five to ten minutes? Where would you be? What works for you? So write down just the first thing would be how you're going to do it. Second thing was the best way for you to hear from God. Some people, that's a devotional book. I'm so pleased that somebody came to me and asked me for an idea on a devotional book. A way for you to hear from God. It might be scripture. It might be a podcast, whatever that is, to write that down. The third thing was the best way for you to talk to God, because prayer is both ways, isn't it? So it may be out loud. It may be journaling. I don't know what it is for you. And then the fourth thing is your goal. What are you hoping for in this prayer exercise? How often do you hope to eventually do this? What is your goal? So he invited you. You may not be ready to do that now, he said, But write that plan down, those four things, tuck it away, put it perhaps in your wallet, put it somewhere, that when you are ready, you can pull that out and begin to grow in your own prayer life as you find strength for the journey, knowing what God wants you to do and having the strength to do it. Well, I consider this morning's passage as part two on prayer, because we see Jesus here when the disciple comes to him and says, teach us to pray, I love the wording of that, Teach us to pray, not just to learn about prayer, not just to learn the words that we should pray, but to actually pray, to do it. I've been so struck by the fact that I have read books on prayer, and I'm reading a book on prayer, and I'm realizing, you know what? If I would actually pray as much as I'm reading in this book, that would be a good thing, <laughs> instead of just studying about prayer. So Jesus is saying, ask seek, knock, do it, do it. I took this passage to the Trinity Nursery School board meeting last week and asked the moms in that room, there was a dad in that room too, to actually listen to this passage and to tell me what came up for them. And I was very intrigued by the fact that one mom was concerned about this passage because she said, in a culture of privilege, it can just encourage our kids to think, I can just get whatever I want and the way that I want it, just like we think we can get online. If we just order it from God, it will come. And one mom said, yeah, I've got a great illustration of that. My little daughter, preschooler, uh, we've been thinking about getting a dog, and she is really afraid of dogs. But then one day, she was having a play date with a friend, and they, in their household, had a dog, but this dog had no teeth, and it, ha- it wasn't able to bark. So the daughter comes home, and she goes, mommy, I'm ready to get a dog. She said, but... You can't have any teeth and it cannot be able to bark. And the mom said, it doesn't quite work like that. You don't just get online and order a dog. And just this concern that we would be encouraging in this passage, ask, seek, knock, it will be given to you, it will just turn out the way you want. That's not it, is it? It's not that Janis Joplin, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? And there is abuse of this kind of passage that It's called the prosperity gospel, that God wants to make us rich. That's abuse. Because in this teaching, Jesus also gives the Lord's Prayer. Words that do not reflect that culture of privilege, but reflect an invitation for God's will to be done in us, for us to be people who glorify God. So it's not that. Jesus is not teaching about that. Jesus is teaching about this. He tells the story of a friend. In first century Middle Eastern hospitality culture, it was absolutely essential that when you had a guest, no matter when, you would show hospitality by laying out a spread of food to feed that guest right away. There were no 24-hour convenience stores. There was only your neighbor. That was the culture that you would show and extend hospitality. And so this friend, he needed to feed these guests that arrived in the middle of the night. He didn't have any food. And even though it was horrible timing, and his neighbor would have been extremely irritated, and the house all closed up for the night, and of course he said, no, I'm not getting up to do this for you. He asked, didn't he? And he kept asking, and he kept seeking, and he kept knocking, and in his persistence, the friend next door did provide what he needed. Jesus is saying it's like that, expecting that there will be a response. And then he goes on even more so and gives the illustration of children with parents who are constantly coming, aren't they, and asking and seeking and knocking. I remember my household growing up, my mom and dad had seven kids within 11 years, and we were constant, I was constantly at my mother's leg, asking for everything, asking for something to eat, asking for help with this. And the one she hated the most was, I'm bored. I need something to do. Constantly asking, 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 knowing that our parents, imperfect as they are, they want to give us what we need. How much more, and this is Jesus's point, how much more God, how much more than that friend that we know will respond to the cultural pressure, and even as a friend. How much more God than our parents who love us and care for us, wanting to give you the fullness of life, and the best way Jesus can think to describe that is the Holy Spirit, who is the birther of all life. How much more does God want to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? So, here's the point. Ask. Do it. Seek. Knock not just once, keep on, never give up, keep on. My question this morning is, what keeps us from prayer as a first resort instead of a second or a last or a not at all? What keeps us from prayer as a first resort And I'm interested, you know, not just kind of a rhetorical question here, but things that pop to mind. I'm going to comment myself as I've been spending time on this this last week, but I'm interested in what comes to mind for you. What do you think keeps us from prayer as a first resort? Just say it out loud. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be self-sufficient. Busyness. Yeah, busyness. Usually you have to wait. Sometimes a long time. Yeah, it's not the way the answer we want. We have to wait a long time. Sometimes the answer is no. We don't like the answer yes doubt Doubt. have a hard time believing that God's even there listening going to do anything anyway say that again Ellen don't want to bother God God. that's interesting yeah well let me I mean these are great and they kind of coincide with some of the things that I noticed too in terms of what I think keeps us from prayer as a first resort and the word that comes to mind for me is independence (laughs) independence self-sufficiency our culture is bullish on number one take care of it yourself I loved my sermon title because to me it was the essence of what Jesus was saying never give up never give up persistence so I went and looked up quotes on never give up none of them are about never giving up on God all of them are about never give up on you So there's all these quotes by famous politicians, you know, like Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger, and, you know, never give up on you. There's quotes by athletes, never give up, I never give up, Yarn Borg, I never give up in a match. You can find this in graduation speeches, never give up on yourself. In other words, the message is, I can do it myself, and actually, I'm supposed to do it myself and get tough enough to be able to psychologically buck up and do it myself. Dependence on others, this one person was saying as I was reading different materials on this, is actually not only foreign to our culture, it's even scorned. It would be interesting to know what you think about this, um, that this parable makes very little sense to us, because, partly because of their culture of hospitality, which we don't know, but partially because of what he called the disease of independence, that we not only have a hard time with it, it's foreign to us, but we look down, we do not look fondly upon people who ask their neighbors for help. And he goes on to say, look at the words that you use when you actually do ask your neighbors for help. First word out of our mouth usually is, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry to bother you. I think I'm the only person in my neighborhood that always is asking for help. I'm in the middle of baking something, and I don't have any brown sugar. I, I mean, I do, nobody comes to me. I'm always coming to somebody else. But I do usually start out with, I'm sorry. Or another phrase is, I hate to bother you. I hate to ask. So it's like we feel like it's selfish. We feel like we're almost, we're almost grieving the fact that we have to ask for help. And this is the one that comes to me most often. I know you're busy. I know you're busy and then they're asking for prayer or they're asking for a visit and i'm like i'm your pastor (laughs) this is what i want to do and it's i have found we almost have to beg people beg you to let the church know when you're going into the hospital when you have a need when you have a prayer request it's like please 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 tell us so we really do have a hard time with looking to others for help don't we but what is Jesus model? Jesus models dependency. Dependency on God in prayer. Dependency on others. That inner dependence. He prays first. It's how he knows what to do. And then he leans on others, and then he does it himself. It's a reverse order. But also mentioned, going on from that, this whole disease of independence, which makes it hard for us to go to God as a first resort, I think there is this fear that perhaps if we go to God as a first resort, we're afraid that if we ask and seek and knock, we won't get an answer. Maybe because that's the experience we had with our parents, with our friends, with our neighbors, I just went to the brunch that we hosted for the teen moms at Redwood High School and was talking with the teacher, and she said that 60% of these teen moms have suffered abuse. 60%. And that's without even knowing it. It's easy to transfer that abusive, whether it's a mom, dad that abused you, or someone else that you should have been able to trust, without even knowing it, to transfer that to God. It just happens these negative images of God that convince us that God does not love us does not want to give us good things a friend of mine was telling me um, his story recently about how he grew up in um, an alcoholic home and um, he had this kind of negative he had a negative image of God God was remote God was uncaring And that shifted for him, he could tell me the exact year, he could tell me the exact time, when he went away on a weekend experience, and many of you have heard of this, or perhaps you've gone, they're called Walk to Emmaus, or Curcio, they are weekends where it's set up for you to just be bathed in God's love. And in the midst of that experience, he said for the first time in his life, he imagined God as a loving father And in his words, he said, inviting me to crawl into his lap. That was a huge shift for him. Huge. And it completely changed his eagerness to pray. Now he's eager. Then he was not eager. So our negative images of God are huge for us. And we hear Jesus describing God as Abba, Father, Daddy. This kind of god that wants us to crawl up into god's lab this last week when we did have the communion class and all the children and all the families were sitting here and we were fielding questions and one of the six-year-olds you know six-year-olds raised her hand and said what does god look like i thought oh my gosh (laughs) this must be what parents get all the time what does god look like hmm it felt like kind of a reverse children's message because my answer was jesus And that's true jesus is what god looks like that's why it's so important for us to know more and more about who jesus is and the way of jesus pure unbounded love the one who said let the little children come to me this safe caring nurturing not hand coming down from on high to judge us and all the negative images the man upstairs and all those things that really have nothing to do with what God is like. If we want to see what God is like, we look at who Jesus is. Unanswered prayer. I think that's a huge reason why we don't go to God as a first resort. It has been for me, as far as giving up. There have been seasons in my life where I have prayed and prayed and prayed, and when I have suffered, 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 I have given up on God. When I was in college, some of you have heard this already, I was very excited about my faith. I was involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at school, San Jose State. I would spend my summers working up at Calvin Crest Christian Conference Center. I was like on fire in my faith. And then after I got out of college, all of a sudden I started having these anxiety attacks. I was going through hell. I was literally going through hell. Every day, week after week, month after month. And for a while I prayed. And for a while, I thought, God's just testing me. And then after a long while, I said, this is horrible. If God's treating me like this, I don't want anything to do with God. And I shut down. And I gave up. But God did not give up on me. And step by step, there was this moving through that horrible time and realizing that God was greater than my suffering. God was still holding me. God was giving me new strength, strength that could only come out of that suffering. And it's interesting when you stop and think about Jesus' prayer practice. He dealt with unanswered prayer, didn't he? Didn't Jesus deal with unanswered prayer? Take, Take this cup from me. Begging God, begging the disciples around him, please pray with me. Take this cup from me. Did God take that cup away? No, he was crucified. And through that, God led Jesus to resurrection life. Jesus dealt with unanswered prayer. What about Paul, the Apostle Paul? Yeah. Three times we read in 2 Corinthians 12, I prayed that God would take this thorn of the flesh from me. Kept praying. Take the, we don't know what the suffering was, but we know that it wasn't taken away it wasn't answered he suffered and he said but somehow god gave me the sufficiency of god's grace power in my weakness unanswered prayer can keep us from turning to god as a first resort one of my favorite phrases that i share with my friend heidi many of you know her who was pastor here is this phrase that from augustine it's a latin two words Solveteer, ambulando. It is solved by walking. If it's horrible now, keep walking. It's not going to stay like that. In fact, Heidi said she's if she ever gets a tattoo, that's going to be it. <laughs> I'm going to put that on her body. Solveteer, ambulando. Never give up. Keep walking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Unanswered prayer, Salvatore ambulando, negative images of God. The way we counteract that really is to learn more and more about who Jesus is and to know that's what God looks like when you've got all these competing wounds, competing images in your mind and heart. What's the antidote to independence, though? One of the words that was said by the moms at the Trinity Nursery School board meeting when we read this passage that I loved was the word vulnerability. That's the antidote to independence. We hate that. But that's, Jesus made himself vulnerable. The same night that we had the communion um, teaching, uh, Spressa and Lauren, we were all hanging out afterwards, and there were a ton of groups meeting here at the church that night. And Spressa says how come all these groups that are here at the church tonight aren't all together with us doing the same thing? And I said, well, I don't even know who all these groups are, and I don't even know what they're doing. And she looked at me, and she said, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know everything. (laughs) It begins there, doesn't it? I do not know, not only not know everything, I know very little. (laughs) And to begin to say, I don't. I can't do it all myself. To say that to myself and out loud to others. Such an important part of our journey as a church right now. As we're struggling with the fact that so many of us are burdened. We can't keep up. We can't keep up. We can't keep up this weariness. Feeling this need for Sabbath outside the church and inside the church. And then on the other hand, we want to do all these things to love one another. We want to do more to love one another in the church and outside we don't have answers to that just hand it back and say okay god help us we need rest sabbath we want to love more how do we do that i don't know first resort so we want to reverse this order don't we we want to pray to god first doesn't mean that we're not going to do the other two we are look to others for help and also do it yourself get involved engaged. So instead of worry as number one, at the first, even when worry begins to kick up, middle of the night last night, just a surge of anxiety. I thought, oh my gosh, am I praying first? (laughs) How can I preach this sermon if I'm not praying first? To pray by God's grace, to reverse the order. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Please join me. Jesus, we really do want to learn from you, not only the words for prayer, but also to pray. Thank you that you are with us and that you are giving to us your faith, that you are giving to us your trust in Abba. You are giving to us the gift of knowing the loving heart of God in the flesh in this world powerfully holding all things and working them out for good in your time, and your way. We lift to you even now those things that burden us so heavily. Children that we love, parents that we love, family members that are in trouble. Hopeless situations, we don't know how they're going to turn around. We lift them to you. Lord, especially around the world, Children that are suffering, families that are grieving, neighborhoods and countries that are crushed by violence and poverty, we lift to you the aches and the hurts. We pray for our own wounding, what's gone on in our childhood journey, which has convinced us in a twisted way that you are not a God of love and compassion. Power and grace. Lord, even now, lift that lie from us and set us free to see your loving arms open to us in Jesus Christ, inviting us to crawl into your very safe, nurturing, large, loving lap. We know you hear us. We praise you that you hear us as we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's children said amen.